Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Scott Stedman Podcast. We have an exciting show for you today. Well, exciting if you are in the Church of God movement. If you are not part of the Church of God movement, maybe you will find this not interesting at all. But before we dive into our topic, I'd like to welcome to the show my co-host, Micah Current. Micah Current, how are you doing today? Reeling from another great week. I don't know if that makes sense. But... Yeah, I, I hear it. I hear we're, it. I mean, just... I mean, you're having such a good week. You have your Steelers football gear on. You're you're ready for Steelers. Who cares about the Pirates? Let's go Steelers. I, I thought about wearing my Pirates hat today, but they're uh, they're doing well too. It's kind of crazy. Um, what about the what about the Seventy um, Sixers? I don't really follow the Seventy Sixers. <laughs> you don't I follow don't... any of. The... It's it's so hard right now. I mean, that could be a story in itself. But like, I was thinking about this the other day. But like. You and I talked on the last six episode about professional wrestling, right? There's so much content on 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 TV and streaming and things like that. Like it's hard to watch um, wrestling, let alone anything else. And right now, you've got the NHL hockey playoffs on. You've got um, the NBA playoffs on. And so, like it, for those who don't follow sports at all, there's just this massive tournament of both genres, hockey and foot, or hockey and basketball, and um, they're you know best of seven series so there's literally games on every night both hockey and football and they start about six seven o'clock at night and they go till midnight every night and so they just go and go and go until the tournament's over um and it go and can, and can go from like april till june because if every series goes to a best of seven right and they get to game seven you're stretching that out forever and ever amen so um yeah. there's just so much content on right now i can't keep up with it yeah it i watched like any the- I haven't watched any of the NBA and the NBA playoffs, like hardly at all. I've watched hockey. I've watched some of the hockey stuff and I've watched wrestling, but I cannot keep up with with the yeah. NBA stuff. Yeah, I hear you. Was there I something about you. the Philadelphia 76ers or are you just referencing? No, the I just I just I don't, you know, I I rarely follow NBA basketball, so I don't know if they're even in the playoffs or not. Like I have no They players. are. They are. Um Okay. But again, I haven't watched an entire game all season. <laughs> yeah that's how i am like i barely have time to watch anything anymore like and if i do have time it's usually well i'm going to write my paper or i'm going to you know yep. maybe i'll play a game like i've been blazing through the uh, legend of zelda playthrough i'm in majora's mask right now god help me i hate that game <laughs> or or yell at your kid to get out of bed yeah come on man get out of bed get out of bed yeah that that Seriously, it takes a lot of time just to kind of convince my kid not to do, to not make bad choices. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they're not really bad, bad choices, but just like, you know, you really don't need to fight me on trying to bring your Pac-Man arcade machine to school today. Like, that's not a, because more likely your teacher's probably going to take it and then you're not going to get it back. So let's keep it here so you have it so when you come home, you can play it versus being at school locked up in a safe where you'll never see it again. Just saying. All right. The 76ers so, are in the second round of the NBA playoffs. And they're they're playing the Boston Celtics, and they're tied in their series two games to two. And the best All right. Seven. Not bad. I think Cleveland at one point was in the uh, – Cleveland at one point was in the playoffs, but I think they might They lost got- to the Knicks in the first round. Yeah, I figured they did because I know I know it was like they lost a the game, they won a game, and then they lost two games in a row. And I'm thinking, all right, so unless they come back, it's probably not usually a lot of times. And usually I, f- I have like a Ohio sports thing, so I always get like alerts like 
college teams, professional teams. That's how I found out that Columbus is having a professional volleyball team. So, hey, no, no rugby team yet. What volleyball team you said? Professional women's volleyball. But we'll get that, but we won't get a rugby team, which I think having a rugby team would be great for not just Columbus, but Ohio in general. FC Cincinnati's rocking it in the soccer scene. Yeah, and I haven't been following, and I know I haven't been following up with the crew either. So I know, but I think like the crew in Cincinnati are pretty good football clubs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they uh, there's a really good following down there. There's a good vibe in the city, um, as far as attendance for games and stuff. People love to go to it. It's a really nice venue. Um, better than the Reds. <laughs> oh boy so uh story's gone wild micah do you have a story for us any anything more with soap and hand sanitizer this week well the sanitizer has been restored to the pumps all right so um and no one got fired for that right it's like oh sorry we're looking for a custodian now because they put hand soap in the sanitizer machine Yes, my my wife and I went to a new church, and three weeks into it, we we get the custodian fired because they put hands up. Oh my gosh! There's a sign. Story's gone wild. There's a there's a sign on the church door that says "Help Wanted." (laughs) Um, no, it was funny. Um, I went. We went yesterday, and um, the pastor and his wife just kind of like, "Hey, check it out. We got we got sanitizer in here again," and it was like. Listen, I, I just, I, I could care less, but I thought it was funny that somebody actually did that. Whether it was a practical joke or not intentional or not, I thought it was just hysterical that, that I was the one that ha- happened to, you know, pick up on that. Um, Dory's gone wild. I, I don't really have one, but I, I do have a kind of a, a strange question. Okay. Can go a- along with kind of the, the theme. Yesterday, the church we went to, or we've been going to, um, celebrated communion, the sacrament of communion. Um, my wife has a gluten intolerance, and she's allergic to grapes. Oh, wow. So what does one do for communion? They had a gluten-free communion packet, but still has grape juice. What do you do? It's a riddle. <laughs> it's a riddle. Um, well... Apple I juice. think you just eat the bread. <laughs> if it's gluten-free bread, you can eat that. I'd I'd say either you use any type of juice or water. Like, yeah. I mean, I mean, I've done the thing with Oreos and milk for communion because that's what we had. Like, I mean, I mean, I've I think more like, people would come to church, Scott, if we did Oreos and milk for communion. Oh yeah, hey, communion, man. I remember, I remember one time. <laughs> maybe this will be my story's gone wild so i'll hold on to it (laughs) but um yeah i mean and i know in the catholic church a lot of times when laura graduated from ud with her juris doctorate they always did communion because ud is founded on like the marianist which is Mm -hmm. like a sect of the catholic church and um my mom asked the question she goes is there like a is there something symbolic for the people who take the body but they don't drink from the cup and i said i don't know so i asked one of my catholic in-laws or i think it was like laura's cousin who's practicing catholic and she said 
oh, it's just for germs. They don't want to get the germs because they're drinking from one cup. And even though they have like a little cloth, like a little towel to wipe the edges, it's like most people won't drink it because they're just like, eh, I don't want those germs. Think I think there was a one time like years ago where there was a Catholic church and there was like a hepatitis A outbreak because of because of the because of that people were drinking from the cup and they just kept contaminating themselves. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah, I mean the it's a good question, right? I mean, like you can practice it and still believe it, right? And take part in it. But like I thought about that yesterday because we went in and we were running a few minutes late and they were like, did you grab communion? I was like, crap. And so I had to go back to the back of the room and they had gluten-free option, which I thought was great. But my wife is allergic to grapes, but then also has a gluten sensitivity. And it's like, well, I wonder what you do in that circumstance. I mean, yeah. you can like, you can do apple juice, of course. And you can do, like you said, with Oreos and milk. And as long as you're using the illustration of like, okay, this is, this is what this is. And this, what you know, this represents. I mean, I think you're fine. Yeah. Well, even that, cause like, I know like the church, I, uh, the church I was going to when I was in Virginia in my transition, like they would always hand you the elements before you even entered into the sanctuary for worship. And then there was, they do it every week. They didn't do, I, I they didn't do it every week. They did it like once a month. But um, what I liked about that is like in that situation, it's like, okay, I can get the gluten-free option. I can't get juice, but you know what I can do? I, I can go and fill up, Especially if you know if it's every if it's the first Sunday of every month, you know I'll just bring my own juice or I'll bring water or you know you can kind of do something before you enter into the sanctuary to have worship. So I think I think it's in the moment when you're there and you're going up like like the church I'm at now, like you walk up and you grab the elements. Yeah. So if I'm walking up and I'm going to the pastor or the ushers to get the elements, then it's like okay, like I have to get this thing so. You know, or you get the bread and then you just bypass the thing. And it's like, kind of like, well, hopefully they don't think I'm being awful that I just want the body of Christ, but I don't want his blood. Well, the, um, the large church I used to work at that I referenced a lot on our show is, um, they do communion every week. Okay. Non-denominational church, but they do it every single week. Okay. I know a lot of non-denominational churches that do communion every week. Yeah. Uh Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So my funny, so I guess my story goes wild to go with communion. I remember when I started going back to church when I was like in fifth, sixth grade. And, you know, I'd sit there and occasionally I'd go into the kids church thing, but I was getting to the point where even in fifth and sixth grade, the uh, kids church just wasn't really for me. Felt like it was more geared towards younger ages. And I was just like, okay, this is kiddie stuff. I don't want to be here. So I just would sit in the service with my dad so when they would have communion you know i'd go and i'd take the elements i didn't really know what it meant i'm like oh okay and my dad didn't think about it like oh i should probably explain to my son like hey you know there's something to it so one time we're sitting there and i'm walking with my dad we walk to the sanctuary and i see the the stack the which i think now is a lot smaller but before there used to be a stack of like seven or eight trays filled with grape juice and like maybe five stacks of just the things with the bread. And I remember going, yay, snack time. <laughs> was this in kids ministry? My, or was dad, this... my dad goes, Scott, this oh. is not a snack. 
which I thought it was because the pastor usually would pre preach like an hour, an hour and a half every Sunday. So I thought that was just like a thing to kind of help tie us over till we could get to lunch. Then <laughs> 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 my dad had to explain to me what communion was. Because <laughs> I didn't know. I thought it was snack time. I'm like, that's interesting. There's a piece of bread and some juice. I guess that'll work to hold you over until you can get back home to have lunch. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> oh. And who knew that was the moment where God said, This is the person I want to be in ministry. <laughs> I choose you, kid who wants snack time during the during the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. So I guess I guess the real question for that is when you did the, the communion with Oreos and milk, did you say this is the body of the Lord, or did you say it's snack time? <laughs> Kids, it is snack time. Here's your cookie. We dip it in the milk, we eat it just like you do at home. Except we're doing it at a church camp, so we have to be very solemn about it. <laughs> I think you need your stained glass window behind you on your green screen. <laughs> oh, hold on. Let's, let's hold on. Aww. Oh, my goodness. Oh, oh gosh. Hey, <laughs> man, I, got, I went from having like 25 kids in children's ministry to 75 because we were giving out Oreos as communion. I know. No. Are you doing Gregorian chants now? I am. No, that was just that was just, that was the soundtrack to Halo. We knew that Halo in 2023 would be the, oh, the Gregorian oh, chant of the Catholic Church. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh, why? Oh, <laughs> I guess the real question is why not? Why not? Yep. Well, I figured Oreos and milk was better than when we had to shove a hot dog bun and some bug juice at camp too. It's like here's a soggy hot dog, and that's the thing you didn't eat it because it was important that we all did it at the same time. So you, if you're the first one, you dip it in, and then you're just holding it, and then it just gets all soggy. And then by the time you throw it into your mouth for communion, it's like, okay, I just ate a sponge. <laughs> Oh, good times. Camp communions were the best communions. <laughs> it, it humbled you. It made you appreciate the cardboard wafer. <laughs> Actually, the gluten-free one that I had yesterday was better than, I think, the wafer. Mm. I I mean, if I'm saying much, but... Yeah. I always I just you. feel like there's not enough juice and I choke on the wafer. I feel like it's God's yeah. way sense of humor of reminding you, like you can choke on this. <laughs> oh goodness! <laughs> to went to yeah. a charismatic church. Oh, you're choking on the body of Christ. Oh, you must have some secret sin in your life. Because why would you choke on that bread? That's that's Jesus' body. Which, yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> I'm going to go off on a tangent here on other weird stuff. So I'll I'll I'll, I'll hold that. Uh, but today we're going to talk about something, like I said, something kind of exciting. 
Um, so Micah and I got an email last week from the general director of the Church of God, which is Jim Lyons, who I've known Jim for. I've known Jim. Uh, he was my pastor at North Anderson before it became Madison Park. And then, of course, I went to school with his sons and his son, Andrew, was in my uh, was in my social club, the Avani Boosters, when I was attending Anderson. And when he got the job as the general director, I remember thinking, well, that's great. That's probably that's probably going to be a really good fit just because I just just how. I just liked how he led. I liked how he communicated. He was a very good communicator. So you you always knew that, you know, if if Jim was going to say something, a lot of times he was going to come out and he was going to just going to say it. He was going to communicate it very elegantly so that everybody could kind of be on the same page so that there was no, in some ways, there was no misinterpretation that everybody kind of knew like, okay, we're good. Um, so, you know, he's been the director for two terms, and I can't remember exactly, but it seemed like it was like two. Oh, uh, it was like almost like a couple terms, but there was like it wasn't like two, three year terms. It was something like longer than that, like just reading through the email. So I don't remember exactly. A term of general director is six years, six and he's years. on his second. He's on a second term, and he's on year four now. Okay, he's on year four. Okay, yeah, so. With all that being said, you know, he's been the general director for 10 years and he still has two more years to go. Uh, but he kind of basically said he's been looking forward and he's like, you know what? I think it's time that, you know, for me to not only do some other ministry things, but to have someone see what they could do to, you know, lead the church of God into the future. So he's essentially stepping down as general director. Um and I think in my lifetime, there's only been when I've really started paying attention to like what was happening in the upper epsilons. It was uh, Jim Lyons, and then it was um, Ron Duncan. And I think it was just those two guys that were general director when I really started paying attention to um, the Church of God movement and just Church of God Anderson as a whole, um, as far as the upper leadership parts of it. So. Uh, that's all I've known. So it's it's very interesting to see just not necessarily him leaving, um, but just kind of, you know, the process and what's next. And I mean, I don't know how you feel about it, Micah, but I feel like we're at a place now within our movement where we're kind of at this weird, like, vibe, I guess. I feel like there's just a weird vibe about, you know, the direction of the church got anyway. So now that we are going to have a new director, I mean, that kind of is either going to give more weirdness to the vibe, or we're going to pull that into one of two directions, I guess, depending on how the, the vibe of the director and the vision that God leads them and the leadership board. So it's, it's a lot to, so it's really kind of a big deal that this is happening, especially at this moment, at least that's kind of my take and my feelings on it. A movement? Oh, uh-oh. Uh-oh. Well, let's not start there. Let's no. not start there. <laughs> you said it. You said it first, actually. I know. I know. I, I'm just used to saying it. So, Okay. Um, we'll leave it at that. I don't uh, want to say the D word. <laughs> that filthy D word. Not premonition, but denomination. Denomination. <laughs> 
<laughs> Here's some ASRM for you. Denomination. Um, man, we could have that as a whole other podcast topic. Oh but, my god! But yeah, you know, since we're talking about it, it's fine. I so so a couple of things. I've known Jim forever. Um, wish him nothing but the best in, in his you know transition out and whatever he decides that God's leading him to do next. Um, like you, Scott, I know I've worked with Jim in various circles. I I led worship at North Carolina's uh, State General Assembly back in 2015. He came and spoke mm-hmm. for that. Um, he and I have worked together at the the North Central Region of the Church of God's um, annual retreat where he spoke. He was a keynote speaker for that. I led worship for that. We worked so we've worked together. We worked very well together. Uh, he's been great to work with. Um, I I remember Ron Duncan as a kid, um, and I don't remember much of of his journey as his general director. Um, mm-hmm. I was sitting. I was actually telling our friend Jordan uh, a couple of weeks ago that we. Um, Sorry, I went blank. Um, sorry, uh, he. I was telling Jordan that um, I was sitting on a Zoom call for Leadership Focus because I'm a Leadership Focus coach, and um, Ron Duncan was actually on the call, and he's actually doing Leadership Focus coaching now, which is cool because I didn't think that Ron was still with us because he was uh, he was on the older side when I was younger, right? I thought he's he's in his 80s, I think now, and he's still teaching and and coaching and doing some things, so that was really cool. Um, in reference to the conversation about general director. Jim Lyon and the, the conversation of the church. What did you mean by vibe? And well, just we're in a weird so, place. I mean, well, I mean, I think there's when I think about when I mean vibe, I think that there is kind of this pull between just um, a philosophy. I feel like there are some in the church of God that are all about moving forward and kind of moving to a direction where. I don't know, kind of more direction that's going to kind of hear more younger voices mm-hmm. and younger th- and, and younger th- and younger ministers and kind of understanding kind of their whether there's hopes, dreams, aspirations, desires, hopes, maybe even frustrations. And mm-hmm. then on the other side, there's those who are still into, well, you know, he, this is our heritage. This is who we are and it's kind of and then not only that but so you have that vibe you also have the vibe where you know only a few years ago we were still dealing with kind of the whole church of god anderson and the um oh i can't think of it the north uh no the national the national church of god i can't think of the it's n-a-c-o-g oh i can't think of the acronym now but you know, it's it's like you know, kind of like you're more African American Church of God group, and then you have your Anderson. And even though we're kind of together, but we're kind of our two separate entities. And how there was division, some discussion on that, like if the the NACOG was going to kind of officially separate themselves from the Church of God. Like there was a bunch of stuff within the last few years that kind of created the sense of a vibe. And, you know, I think that during those rough times, especially during the pandemic and especially during, you know, individual churches were dealing with kind of the political turmoil the last few years. And then now it's kind of like not only the local churches have to deal with it, like national organizations have to dealt with that. And I think, you know, Jim did a great job of kind of navigating that. Um, But I think for some people, you know, they probably want more of like, we want it this way and we want it now kind of a mentality where Jim's kind of still kind of 
hey, I'm going to work towards reconciliation. This is going to be a messy process. So I'm not going to say we're doing this, we're doing that. We're going to, we're going to kind of sit here and, and try to mend some things a little bit. And I don't know, like, that's just kind of my impression and my feeling, especially the last maybe four or five years of what's been happening. I feel like there's been some good direction forward, but then I feel like anytime we take two steps forward, there's usually about three steps backwards sometimes. Yeah. I think you're right. I think too, that like, I think you nailed it on the head in reference to um, not being heard. Mm. Uh, I, I would probably resonate with that a lot. Um, I think there's a real power struggle going on right now. Um, generationally speaking, and I use that term a lot generationally, um, with, with the people that are, you know, our parents age who are pastors and then leadership at the church. And it's, um, it's troubling because it's like, if they're not willing to share the load, they're not willing to equip and help others, you know, as Jesus said to build my church, then there's not going to be a church of God moving forward. And that breaks my heart because it's like, that's what I know. Um, and a lot of young leaders like myself have, have decided, you know, it's not worth that fight and we're just going to either walk away or we're going to go find something else in another denomination um, or church to um, do ministry and do life, do the ministry life. Um, now, granted, there are there are young pastors in the Church of God. Um, and there are young pastors that are super successful, but then there are young pastors that struggle a lot because they want to try to move things forward and they want to try to not change necessarily the heritage or the theology of the church of God, but like move the church in a more, uh, missional, um, I don't know what another word for it is missional. We'll just say missional direction in reference to you know, getting the church to go outside of its four walls and actually engage with other folks in their community and grow their church. Um, another term I've, I've heard a lot in the last couple of weeks um, and even years for that matter is revitalization. Um, a lot of churches are in pretty bad shape and are they even worth quote revitalizing mm. moving forward or you just let them die, die and fizzle out. And Jordan and I've had this conversation, but Ohio Ministries um, recently has really went on this campaign of like, we need to plant more churches. We need to plant more churches. <laughs> and, oh, and Jordan okay. and I, and Jordan and Jordan and I are like, um, do you need to plant more churches or do you need to fix the churches that are broken within your state? Because are you just going to let those go by the wayside and then just plant a bunch of new churches? And there's no, there's no guarantee that the church plants are going to thrive or succeed or, you know, do well and they're, you know, self-sufficient, they're nonprofit, they're, you know, they're independent of, of, they're not independent of the church of God, but they get some sort of funding, I guess, from the church of God. But like, you know, as well as I do with any church plant situation, it's all about fundraising. It's all about, you know, setting up and tearing down and it's, new, and it's an exhausting experience. And so um, all that to say, it's like, I've always said it's, it's pretty it's pretty ridiculous how unclear things are from local to state, from state to national, national to state, state to local, right? As far mm -hmm. as communication within the Church of God. Now, 
I know the Church of God is a big, big thing. And even as a general director, whoever that would be, Jim in that case, in, in the case right now, like it's it's impossible. It's an impossible task to literally go everywhere, right? If you've yeah. got if you've got, let's just say twenty twenty five hundred churches in the state, or not in the state, in the country, there's only fifty two weeks in a year. If he has a mm-hmm. six year term, there's no way he's literally gonna not be able to go to every single church in, in the country. Yeah. It's yeah, and, and I think that's kind of the reality. Like you can't I mean, I don't expect him to get to every single church that there can be, right? Because it's just hard. I mean, it's really hard to do that. And I mean, even like as a state director, depending on what state you're in. Sure. Like Ohio is a great example of that because there's at one point there was over 100 congregations in the state. Yeah. So when you think about that, that's going to be difficult. But then even like if you think like Virginia, like, you know, the director in Virginia, Bob, he's a, he's part time. Mm-hmm. So he has his own church that he's kind of pastoring and he's doing all his pastoral duties. And then he's also doing state duties. So for him to travel around and visit all these churches and to try to equip them or do anything else is um, is very challenging and very hard. And and it's like that's something that you can't really do. And I think even one time. I was sitting in a meeting because I was, you know, the chair of the chair of Christian Ed. And, you know, they're talking about because I think in Virginia every year they do a review on Bob's uh, job description on what he's what he's doing and maybe even some things that maybe he should kind of regulate this to another team or something else. So he's not stuck doing that. And, you know, it seemed like a lot of times it was like, well, Bob's doing all this stuff, but it's also stuff that, you know, the secretary could also do too, or it's something that someone else could do it. And I remember listening to this and I'm like, okay, I can understand like, oh, you know, Bob doesn't have to physically type up the newsletter. And then there's this other side of me that goes, but at the same time, um, all this other stuff, like who's going to do it? Volunteers? And then what happens when it's something that's very important, like, I don't know, like church revitalization or church health, and that's like being regulated to a different team and they're dropping the ball on that. I mean, that's the thing about volunteers. You can't just be like, oh, volunteers, you messed up. Like, no, it's going to go back to the top. And it's so it's always challenging. It's always a challenging thing. And like for me, you know, when I think about this, you know, and not only that, but even like if you think about Iowa, Iowa doesn't even have a state general director. Their general director is like Iowa, Minnesota. My Wisconsin. dad used to be a part of that. So it was like North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Nebraska, and Iowa. And it was like the North State, uh, the North Central region of the Church of God. Yeah. And that's, and then even like if you have a mentoring pastor and you're meeting with them, because I had a, a lady that I know in Virginia, she got her, or, she got ordained in Iowa. And she said, like, oh, yeah, my mentoring pastor was in Minnesota. So there'd be times where she'd have to commute or they would have to find a place halfway to meet. And I'm thinking, yikes, <laughs> that's yikes. That's insane, um, which makes me very glad that I lived in Ohio and uh, Ohio and Virginia, where you had a state director and you didn't have to travel through a variety of states. Yeah. But, so my, yeah. my my dad used to be the state pastor for North Dakota. Right. Mm, and so North yeah. Dakota was the only had three church of gods in it 
but you're driving two, three hours to get to any of them. And then he was like the state pastor for the North Central region, which was like all the states that I just mentioned. And so he would travel from North Dakota to Iowa and from Iowa to Minnesota and Nebraska and all over the place. Right. And so um, I, I kind of want to ask this. Do you think that the setup that currently exists works? Oh, my gosh. Uh, I don't think it, so. Well, Cause, here, cause here's people, why. Because people ask me, or like, what's a general director? And like, I jokingly say it's like the Pope, right? The general director is kind of like our Pope. They're, that's like the general director. He has a team under him. Then you have state ministries who have state or states that have state pastors. And then they have a team that's sit under them. And then you have districts. And then you have districts, uh, uh, district pastors. And then the team that's under them. And then you have like credentialing uh, teams. And it, it's just this whole thing. But go ahead. Sorry. Well, I think... I'd say no, and here's why I'd say no, because I feel like the way the system is set up, you have the general director who, you know, can make decisions based on where they feel that God is leading them to where the church of God needs to go. But any big changes has to go before a general assembly, and then all... Which only meets once a year. That only meets once a year. And then you have all these state pastors, and I think I think I believe it's state pastors, pastors within the movement, and I think they can have like one representative, like a lay leader within their church that can vote if I'm if I believe that's correct. So then you have to wait for that. And I think a lot of times, like if you're going to, and again, since I believe the Church of God, like people always say, like, oh, is the Church of God more conservative or is it more progressive? And I tell them. It depends on where you're at. Like, if you're in a big city, you're probably going to find some Church of God churches that are a little bit more on the progressive side. And if you're out in the country, like I was in Virginia, um, a lot of your Church of God churches are going to be on the more conservative side. So if you're making something that may be progressive in some ways, like some changes, there may be some people who are going to be like, absolutely not. So... Or maybe you might have a thing like one of the big things I wish that the Church of God would do is to have some type of program system or umbrella where pastors who are kind of either A, in transition or B, have went got called to go to a church and then within like a week or two end up getting fired after they went through this whole process, sold their homes, moved their entire families, and then they're there for a little bit and now they no longer have a job and now they're kind of like, failing financially and they don't know what to do i mean i wish there was a system that could kind of help them out um in in those situations but you know that would have to come from the top and then it have to be approved and then people are like oh no i don't know how much is this going to cost and you know why are we going to do this when there's so the money can go to this or why are we going to do stuff to help pastors when we can send that money to missions or you know there's so many people who have there's so many different opinions on where the direction that the church should go and maybe where the funding, where funding should go to. And it just gets to the point where in times of conflict, like, or times of weird vibe, like I feel now those general meetings are going to be very ineffective. Yeah. Cause you're going to have people arguing, fighting. And even if you write something out, you say, here's what it is. And here's a explanation of the whole thing. Even if you have like, 
a pastor go, here's why I support this. You have another pastor goes, here's why I'm against this or whatnot. And people can read it. You're still going to have people who are going to ask questions. You're still going to have people who don't understand what's going on. And either A, they're not going to vote or they're just going to vote. And then you're back to the drawing board or you go forward with something. And then people go, well, wait a minute. Why is this happening? And then they get mad that something passed. It's like, it's almost like, you know, you're being the Pope, but you're also kind of being the Pope for a bunch of babies in mm-hmm. some ways who are not who are not unified and thinking, you know, this might be a good idea. And I understand that having a team of a board or a bunch of people weighing in and because it's going to help maybe answer some questions or bring up some new challenges that, you know, the initial team didn't think of. Great. You know, I think that's good. On the flip side, I think sometimes it just can get so tedious that you're not really moving towards change or moving to where you need to go. And by the time you get there, that window has already closed. And now Mm. you're still kind of regulated in irrelevancy. Mm. Wow. There's so much to, I have so much, I'm trying to be careful with what I say. Um, I just feel that it's it's a it's been a struggle my whole life just to just to sit back and kind of watch and how do you make a difference? Um, and I think there's a lot of struggle with with our generation, Scott, to kind of just mind our own business and do our own. You know, like the, this this is my opinion, but like if I'm pastoring a church, I don't you know let's just say Cincinnati, right? And it's a, it's a church of God church, and you know. Church is going well. Life is going well. I'm enjoying mm-hmm. what I'm doing. The ministry is going well. It's thriving there. I'm ignoring what's going on up here as the as the church of God, right? Because I don't want to get caught up in that drama, and I don't want to get caught up in the, like you said, people being a bunch of babies. So I'm just going to sit here and focus on my church and, and the ministry that I have going on here. And I feel like that's been the case for a lot of pastors who are our age who are pastoring in, in, in a lead pastor role and they're like you know we're just gonna we're just gonna do the church thing like god's called us to do and then like if if the the national office figures it out then god bless them i mean is that is that fair do you think that's a fair assessment I, i'd say so i also think i think the stuff on the national level it depends because i feel like there's a lot of people who are like well i want I don't care about what's happening on the national level. I only care what's happening on the state level. All right. But then when the state level fails you or kind of, you want to go to the national, then you want to, then you want the national level to fix it. But then at the national level is doing something, then you're like, okay, well, I'm going to rely on the state stuff. So it's almost like you're, it's almost like you're in a uh, loop in a loop, but just almost like you're in a relationship where, you know, I love my family. I love my mom and my dad, but they live in two separate houses. And, you know, some days I want to hang out and be with my mom because it's great. But then when my mom's starting to discipline me or my mom's doing things that I don't necessarily like, or my mom's flirting with other dudes and I'm like, oh, I don't like the way my mom's flirting with some of these other dudes because they seem kind of sketchy, then I'm going to go over to my dad's house. I'm going to hang out with my dad. And when my dad starts disciplining me or my dad starts you know dating other women and i'm getting a weird vibe from that then i'm going to go back to mom and you're just kind of house jumping right and there's no necessarily and it's almost like i mean for example you know you brought up ohio how there's this big push about um 
church plants. doing church plants. And I remember when that thing first was introduced because it was um, Dr. Randy Spence, Randy Spence was the general director. And then it was the associate director at the time, Esther, who brought up this kind of this church planning proposal to the body. And I remember when it was first presented and everything else. And I had the same questions. I'm like, you know, as someone who's pastoring a small church as a bivocational person, I see a lot of potential that if my church had a little bit of extra help and not necessarily funding, but maybe, you know, if we can get a little extra funding to hire a worship leader, then I believe the ship could easily be turned around and we could really start seeing some substantial growth. Mm -hmm. Or maybe we just need to, if we can have a little bit of that money to repair this roof, that's really going to send us into debt. If we have a little bit of money to help us out to repair this roof, then I think we will be in a good spot where we can continue to do good ministry because we're already starting to see upward growth. We're just now have to deal with this financial burden that we are holding off on doing because we just don't have the money or we're going to have to go in a considerable amount of debt to do it. So it'd be like one of those things where it's like, well, why spend money on church planning when you have some churches that if you do a church assessment, they have good bones and they have a really good culture and you have a really good core group of volunteers that can really do something great and you might be in prime location. Let's do that. But it's like, now we're just going to go invest all this money into these church plants why we're just ignoring all these other things so i think in a situation like that like it's like okay if the state's not going to help us out i mean we give money to the state we give money to anderson can anderson do something can kingdom builders do something can like can somebody over at the national level help us to kind of get us back on track and a lot of times they're just like well not really but we can go ahead and send it down to the state level and then maybe the state can do it. It's like, well, the state's not going to help us. So at the end of the day, we're just stuck in limbo and, or, or basically we're just waiting on life support until finally we pull the plug ourselves because the state doesn't want us. Cause you know, we're still giving whatever little tithe we have to the state because we feel that's what we need to do, but we're not getting any help or any assistance from the state. It almost feels like the, the churches that struggle, don't get any attention, but the the bigger churches do, which doesn't make any sense because it's like, oh, we're going to have our general assembly at this location because it's it's a really big church and it's a nice building and it's a nice congregation. And um, good. yeah, and I, I mean, I get that, but at the same time, you're probably not going to have like a big gathering at like you know a small church that only seats like a hundred people <laughs> at the same. No, no, time. no, no, no. I'm saying I'm not saying that you should have those gatherings in smaller spaces. I'm just saying that the it, it seems like the bigger churches, not just because they have gatherings there, they seem to get more attention than the churches that are struggling. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. I also think sometimes, because if you think about like the newsletters or like sometimes the blogs that come out of the church of God, a lot of times it's stories about what's happening in, throughout our movement at smaller churches. Like, I mean, I've read stories that, oh, there's a church in Texas that only had three people. And now they, and in a year, they grew to like 25 people, which I'm thinking, okay, that's great. I love those stories. Do I really need to see stories about, hey, look at this church of like 15,000. Look what cool stuff they're doing. Like, yeah, uh, that's a great idea. I wish I could do something like that because it really would impact my community, but I just don't have the budget to do it. Yeah. So kind of switching gears a little bit, but staying on the same topic, like mm -hmm. what... 
what do you see in the next general director? Oh my gosh. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. It's because you just mentioned earlier, right? That there's this, this little bit of struggle with this other generation. And then there's this other generation, which is ours that I don't know that they necessarily want control of it, but this other generation wants to just grab it by the throat and just do whatever they want and to keep it. Right. And so, um, I, I, I'm thinking like, if I, if I had like the perfect candidate, what would that look like? Like middle age? Do they have a family? Are they younger? Is there, you know, like what kind of qualifications do they have to have? Is uh, it longevity? I, I or, feel or do like, you... go ahead. I, I mean, that's a great question. And I feel like a lot of times it depends on, a lot of times it depends on the um, what the, I guess whatever the leadership board wants, right? Because they're going to have to send, you know, they're going to send out, hey, there's this position open for general director, and here's what we're looking for. So, and I think a lot of times, you know, if they're looking for somebody that has, let's say, thirty years experience, that's really hard. That's really hard because now you've and you're, you're narrowing really going... the age gap down to like. 60. <laughs> well, yeah. Or, I mean, if, or even at best, like, let's say if someone, you know, gets ordained, like, you know, by the time I got ordained and even had my first church position, I was 28, 29 years old. So if they're looking for someone with 30 years experience, and again, 30 years of pastoral experience, because I mean, if I want to count my camp ministry, then yeah, that's when I was like 18. So 30 years would put me at 48. So not necessarily old i'm kind of middle of the road but i mean if it's like okay 29 and 30 years that'd be i would be 59 years old or 60 before i could even get that position and even in that way it's like okay like that is not going to uh be me and that's going to be someone in the you know that still is going to be more of a gen x or a uh boomer that's going to have that position. And especially with the world or especially in a postmodern world where things are moving very quickly, you know, do we need somebody who sees the world or wants to try to move everything back to the way things were instead of trying to still stay true to our values and our core that makes the church of God, the church of God, but also kind of get with the times and how to navigate some of these issues and do so with with grace and diligence, but also saying, hey, if we still want to continue to be a movement, we still continue wanting to be a thriving movement or a denomination, then we got to move ahead with the times. And I mean, and, and I know some people may jump to things like, oh, does that mean we're going to have, you know, LBGTQ ministers? I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying like when there is, other things in this world, we need to kind of be proactive. I mean, I think it's still like, I mean, I talked about this on the show months ago when I went to the Ohio, when I went to the Ohio ministers thing in the fall or general assembly. Um, It's weird that we're still having discussions on women in ministry in our movement. And I still think it's weird that we're still talking about race in our movement. It's, it's 20, it's 2022 when I went to that, and we're still having these arguments. And it's like, guys, I grew up 
believing that women, if women were called to be in ministry and they were able to show scripture and show historical documents on why they believe that, then for me, I don't want to know why that's an issue that we need to be discussing or having. But at the same time, we do because there are some people within our own movement in some churches that are like, we will never have a woman pastor be at our church. Mm -hmm. And I think that is... And frankly, I think if anything, if we need to clear the air on that, we need somebody to say, listen, this is who we are. This is our heritage. Here's what we believe. So, yeah, women should be in ministry. And women should be, and if women feels the call to be a lead pastor, they should do it. And really, if a church is being discriminatory about that, then I don't know what, I mean, again, at this point, I don't know what we would do about then. But I think it would be very clear to say, hey, we should definitely have something that kind of really tell people or educate people that, hey, having a women pastor is okay. And it's not because, and you know, and if these are the scriptures that you're using on why you shouldn't have it, well, let's really unpack that and let's really explore that. And I think we need someone who's going to really tackle these top questions and go like, oh, yeah, this is what we believe. And we'll put out a little fun, cool video. But then at the end of the time, your average church person is not going to pay attention to that video. Mm-hmm. Your, your person who, the person on your board who may love being in the Church of God church may be in that church, but definitely has a very conservative background and does not see women that women are not allowed to be in ministry or pastors because they come from like a different denominational background, then that's something that we're going to like, Hey, if you're going to be in leadership at this church, this is what we believe. And maybe that has to be something too. like, Hey, make sure that the people who are serving on your leadership teams within your own congregations, make sure that they understand what we believe as a church, what we believe as a movement, because if not, they're going to infiltrate and they're going to influence how that church is going to get run. And then that's going to, or how that state's going to be run. So I don't know. I feel like in a roundabout way to answer your questions, I think what I would like is someone to really say, hey, this is what it is. This is what we believe. And that's the bottom line. And if people are getting so mad about that, that they're saying, well, we're not going to give money to the national or we're not going to give or, you know, we're going to vote down every little thing, then, you know, that's on them. That's a condition of their heart. But I don't need to see someone who is just going to sit there and kind of go, well, here's what it is, but we're really not going to get deeper. We're going to address the issue, but we're really not going to do anything to try to fix the issue. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of times we're going to either the person needs to be able to tackle those issues and not argue the issues of, well, we need to hold true to our heritage hymns. And that's the issue that they're, that's the sword, that's the hill they're going to die on, making sure that our heritage hymns are preserved and that they're being sung in every single Church of God churches versus, oh, hey, what are we going to do to help, you know, some of our pastors who are being mistreated in their churches and getting kicked out after they get hired? And now they have, now they're in financial ruin. They don't know where they go. They don't know. They're living in their parents' basement at like 40 years old because they sold their home. They moved everything to be at this church that called them and said, we want you to be our pastor, voted them in. And then two weeks in the job, like, yeah, you know what? We don't like you anymore. Bye. It kicks them out the door. Mm. 
And then, then the church of God is like, well, hey, still pay your $30 so we can keep your ministry license active. So your ordination active. Oh, 40. Oh, inflation. I'm sorry. No, I asked, here, 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 I, here, I asked you, that you last can, year you, when I paid it. You can find another job on our job system that that sucks and keeps breaking down because it's buggy and glitchy. Yeah. Ministry connector. <laughs> <laughs> but we love you. We, 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 we love you pastors. You have a hard job. Well, get your stuff. Make sure you actually are making wise decisions. So you have an actual site that works mm. so people can get the information. It's not that hard. Sorry. I think, you know, something that you really, something that you said really resonated with me, but like it's hard in the, in the, in the times that we live in because a nobody's going to be completely happy with that person. Mm-hmm. B you can't say you want somebody young cause the old people will gripe. You can't say you want somebody old cause the young people will gripe. You can't say you want somebody middle-aged because you know, what's wrong with being middle-aged, right? Like, <laughs> but um, there, there's just so many um, strikes against you even before you walk into the door, if you were, you were um, blessed to be able to, to land that position. Yeah. Um, but the thing that really caught my attention that you said, Scott, was that I think, you know, we really have to decipher, discern, really define who we are mm-hmm. and why and do yeah. a better job of communicating that. And that's it, the same thing that Jeanette said on our show. Yep. It drives me insane that people cannot communicate. And guess what, Scott, you and I are pastors and I'm guilty of this too, but for communicators, we suck at communicating with each other. We suck at it. Well, I don't know. I, I agree. I agree. Not from, I not, not, not from the pulpit. Not from the <laughs> yeah. pulpit. Well, no, what I wasn't I'm saying talking about the like, pulpit either. It's just like, I, I'm i not going to see Jim Lyon. I may run into him at like a conference or a convention or something, but like, I'm not going to like text him or call him or whatever. And we're not like buddy buddies. And we don't talk all the time, but like the accessibility to him is not great. Right. But his job is way different than ours. And so yeah. it, it it's that's kind of normal, right? It's like it's no different than like we live in the United States of America, right? There's over you know I don't know 300 million people, 332 million people in the U.S. And like the chances of you running into like the president or the vice president or even your governor of your state, it's pretty slim, right? So like it's um, I what were you going to say about communicating? Well, I was just going to say, I want to know communication sucks, not necessarily that, you know, you, you know, you're taking it through the idea of, you know, it's hard for us to communicate. Like, even if I had to communicate with the state director, maybe I might get something back. Maybe I won't, you know, maybe or or like something, you know, it's or even if I'm any and probably worse, like if I'm going to send an email to Jim Lyons. I may get nothing back and maybe the slim chance I may get something back, but you know, more likely I'll probably get something back from my state director than I will from my national director. But I also say when it comes to communicating certain things like, you know, Hey, this is who we are and we're going to communicate that. I want to know if the communication sucks so bad because we're too busy trying just in the culture that we live in. We're so volatile um, that if we even say anything, 
there's going to be blowback. So we kind of play the teeter-totter game, trying to like, eh, well, yeah, this is what we believe, and this is it. But at the same time, you know, it's up to your own congregation, your own state leaders, blah, blah, blah. And it's almost like, you know, we believe that women should be lead pastors. But at the same time, the churches have to decide who they want to be a leader. Well, that doesn't fix the problem. That doesn't fix the problem at all. Um, what we can do to kind of help our our sisters in Christ. Like that doesn't help the problem at all. I mean, I communicated the issue problem, but I also said, well, but it's not my decision to make that decision. It should be up to you, the state and what they do. Yeah. And, and think- for me, it's like, well, Yeah. Or or here, we'll get a task force together to do something and then they'll write their report and then we'll just put it in the archives and then everyone will forget about it within like a couple of years after we report our findings. OK, here's what we found. So this is what we need. So here's the next step we believe you need to take. OK, cool. We'll put it up for vote in a year and then it never gets voted on. I think what I was referencing in, ref- uh, in, mm-hmm. in the in the terms of communicating yeah. better communicating. I think that like I know churches that are a size, you know, 100 people in size, 150, 200 that do a better job of communicating their mission statement and who they are as a church than the Church of God does nationally. Mm-hmm. Right. Like Jim Lyon started back in 2000. What is it? 12, 13, something like that. Um, and we got Jesus as the subject. Well, that's great. Yeah. That's amazing. But. You've got. You said it earlier, Scott, but like you've got this church that's like, oh, we're a movement, oh, we're a denomination. But I grew up where it was like uh, the Church of God is non-denominational, but we're a movement. And so like there's all this confusion. And then when people ask me who I'm ordained through and the affiliation that I have, it's like I have to go through this long explanation of like, oh, we're non-denominational, but we're considered a movement because we have multiple churches, but we're considered, you know what I mean? Like it's just if we're a movement or denomination, like, so there's a lot of confusion as far as the communication that's coming out from up here. Right. I guess that's what I was saying. Like small church, let's just say uh, oxygen church of God, you know, our, our mission statement is to breathe the life of Christ into our community. A hundred people know that our mission statement is to breathe the life of Christ into the community. And so like, it's, that's what I meant. When I when I say communication, it, it, it's just very frustrating to like, why are we having these conversations? Because it's like, OK, we like you said, Scott, with the task force thing, like, let's put a bandaid on this topic and a bandaid on that topic and then not really come up with a resolution of stuff and then like throw it in the archives and people just never talk about it again. Yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of issues within Church of God culture. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there is in the UMC and the Presbyterian Church and all the other churches that we reference, but like it's just. Um, I think we need so full transparency I'm in the middle at work right now I'm in the middle of a search for so I work in the College of Creative Arts at Miami and we're in the middle of a search for our dean because our dean took the provost position at Miami and so our dean's office uh, doesn't have a dean at the moment we have an interim but we don't have a, a permanent dean right and so, like, I'm on this uh, search committee to to find the next dean of the college. And so, um, 
we met with our search firm a couple of weeks ago and, and they went around the room and, and I said, the two words that I want to see happen is uh, somebody who, or the two things I want to see happen, somebody who is not too young, but not too old, kind of in the middle, but also somebody that wants to have longevity in the position that could create, okay, that was the other word, stability, longevity and stability, right? Somebody who wants to be in the position long-term and is willing to serve in that role long-term, cast vision, but also brings stability to the college, right? So I think the same would go for Church of God, right? That person needs to come in. They need to have um, have it in their brain going in that they're going to have a position long-term, even though it's an elected position and it's a six-year term, if they do a good job and they can do more than one term. Uh, if they're you know middle-aged, great. But if they can provide longevity in that position and then also bring stability to some of the concerns, Scott, that you and I both shared during this hour, whether it's women in ministry, whether it's who we are as the Church of God, whether it's the conversation about race uh, and diversity, whether it's the conversation about how are we going to communicate, whether it's going to be how we're going to um, be actively involved in helping our pastors thrive in unhealthy situations and build those churches and rehab those churches that are struggling financially and attendance and church health that's not doing well. Like that person really needs to like think of those issues that I've just referenced critically and then cast a vision, build a team around them and equip them and say, go and do this. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And, and not just, and I think Jim tried to do that early on. Oh yeah. Um, Absolutely. But it's a tall order. It's just, it a tall, it's just, it's one of those things, like you said, Scott, like the women in ministry conversation there, there could be a guy at a, a small church in, I don't know, Arkansas church of 50 people, but brother, we're not, we're not doing no women in ministry, right? Like we're like, he's just adamant that we're not doing women in ministry. Okay. How do you tackle that? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And so instead of us being stuck in this endless loop that you're talking about earlier, figure out how to break the cycle, break the norm, cast vision and get people to guess what? Be unified as a church. Cause when you're unified, ain't nobody going to stop you. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I yep. it's, it's very, it's a, it's a tall ask from whoever ends up doing that. And really the person who does, apply for the, I think even just the person that's applied to this position really is going to have to realize that there's a lot of stuff that they're going to really have to try to navigate and you really need someone who's really going to be you know wise as a serpent and gentle as a dove going sure. through this absolutely going through this process mm-hmm. but friends thank you so much for listening and maybe if you're not a church of god person but you're just listening to our conversation maybe you can relate to maybe some of your own frustrations with your own uh national or state level uh leaderships mm-hmm. um entities so anyway guys thank you so much for listening i hope you have a wonderful day and i'll talk to you later take care mm-hmm.